0: Got are we alone? Two thousand captive.
1: Good evening, as many of you would know by this point, is for the last before I came here for about five years. I, I preached week in and week out at the previous church, and the big difference between there and here is I didn't have a mic pretty much any of my time there, and so Leanne was probably probably wonders every time I preach I never sing. Um, and It's not because I don't want to sing or I don't enjoy the singing. It's that I'm so worried that this mic is somehow going to cut on while I'm singing in the crowd. Yeah, It's not even on, and I'm controlling it. I know it's not going to cut on, but I'm so nervous of that. Um, because I cannot sing whatsoever. Um, I'm not the best preacher, but I'm definitely not a good singer. So, uh, but this evening on a a lot more serious note than that, if you would turn with me, we're going to mainly be in Genesis chapter one and three. Uh, and then later on, we're going to look at some scripture in Colossians, but Genesis chapter one, and then we're going to skip to chapter three. In just a moment, I'll tell you what we're going to be exactly in those two chapters. But really to begin off with this evening, I want to first and foremost, um, just kind of say that this was a sermon that if you, if you were here last Sunday morning, you know that I was planned to preach last Sunday night instead of tonight, but the weather kind of caused an issue there. And so this sermon is one that I was planning on preaching last Sunday and I didn't plan on saying this because uh, the three kids they were still here with us then but I, I wanted to say right now just from the bottom of my heart and I, I didn't even talk to Sarah about this beforehand that's how well planned out I can be sometimes but we want to thank y'all for just the love and care that you've shown our family as well as them three the two weeks that we're there, they were here with us and then just continue to be in prayer with us that they would come exactly when God would have them to be in our family forever and that that's what we're praying for and we're hoping for it to be very, very soon, uh, but I would just encourage you as a church family to continue praying with us as we uh, just seek out the process at this point. But this evening, if you would, I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at 26 through 28, and then after that we're going to skip over to chapter 3 and we're going to look at 16 through 19. Now after I read chapter 1, I'll kind of pause and tell you what we're going to be in chapter 3 just so you can catch up with us. But it starts off with this. And God blessed them. And God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth." Then look at chapter three, verses sixteen through nineteen. Says to the woman, He said, "I will surely multiply." your pain and childbearing, and your pain shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And so Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and in eating the tree, The fruit of the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curses the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taking, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you. Just for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house once again today. God, you are worthy of all praise. God, you are more worthy than any praise that we can give to you. But God, we thank you that we have your ear, that we are able to do so. God, we thank you for Christ and the redemption that is found in him. And in this moment as we come now, Father, take me and hide me behind your word and your word alone. And God, allow us to listen to the words that you would say to us, God, and not only hear it, but God, apply it to our lives today. We love you and we thank you so much. In your Son's perfect and holy name, amen. This evening, as you just kind of paid attention to these two verses, there's a lot of ways that you can go in a, in a set of scriptures like this. Because simply this is God creating man, giving man a job, and then we see the fall of man happening. This is really essentially the beginning of the gospel in and of itself, is that we're created by God, but we ruin that. And that's really the beginning here, but that's really not the direction I want to go this evening. The direction we really want to kind of approach in this moment sermon is something that I feel like is going to be fitting for each and every one of us in some capacity or another. And the reality is, is because we all individuals here have something that's in common, if not all, most of us. And that is that we all have some kind of occupation, a job or something that we do regularly in our lives. For myself, as, as you could tell, I'm the youth pastor here, but also I work as a postal worker and I'm a full-time student. Uh, and if you kind of step back into your life, there's some kind of occupation or job that you have in your life. And I just listed some of that I really thought of when I thought of our church context. And the first one that came to my mind is a teacher, because that's going to knock out like a fourth of you, right? That you're teachers, uh, but we also see construction workers, we see ministers, we see stay-at-home parents, stay-at-home wives or husbands. We see stay-at-home grandparents, we see volunteers, students, athletes. We see factory workers. We see various different occupations represented in this church. And if we really took a, a take a step back and look at it from afar, it wouldn't look like there's much in common between us as a congregation when it comes to our occupation. But in all reality, the thing that brings us all in common is that we are all called to work. And that's really what we're going to look at in these two sets of scriptures. And then we're going to step into Colossians afterwards and see how we now then should work. And really what we're going to see in these two sets of scripture, and this main thing that I want to kind of pull out of it for us and highlight for us, is that God has created work. It is God's designed for us to work, but the fall causes work to be difficult. And due to this, there will always be this tug of war between us and our work relationship. But then when we step into the Colossians, what we're going to see is that rather than looking at it in the negative always, what we should understand and know, and how we should walk away from this, is to be reminded that we are called to work for God's glory, not for ourselves, for our employer, or even to provide for our families. That the main reason in which we work is to bring God glory and God glory alone. And so as we look at that, I wanted to just begin with this idea that I am not perfect in this. I don't know if Miss Brenda is here. She is she's standing back there. I'm going to call her out a little bit. If you didn't know me and her work together some, uh, I'm not always there. She's not always there. we both part time. Uh, but really, I thought about this this evening as I was kind of reviewing it, and I thought about Saturday alone. Saturday alone was just a weird day and I was late to work. This is not something that I have perfected in my life. This is something that God is still sanctifying me in. I was 10 minutes late. I worked 10 minutes late. It all worked out fine. But in all reality, I have not completed this in my life. So I'm not standing before you as someone that's got this figured out and has nailed this down completely. I'm standing before you as somebody in the trenches and working and, and trying to be this better father, husband, employee, minister of the gospel in whatever capacity I can, but I don't have it all figured out. But isn't that the amazing thing of God's grace in our lives? That when we do fail, when we continue to fall in these same traps of our selfishness or the, the struggle of life itself, or even as we're going to look at this issue of sin causing work to be difficult, that we're going to see that there is God's grace there. And so if you would, let's turn our attention to Genesis chapter three, uh, chapter one, tw- starting in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Now, 26, we're going to see kind of also in 27, and I don't want to spend a lot of time in verse 27, but I just want to highlight this fact that we are created in God's image. And really what this means is that we were created to be image bearers of God on earth. We were created to be ones that would represent God on earth as He is in heaven. And in, and when we were created, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created and they did this perfectly until Genesis chapter 3. And so when we see this, and the reason why this is so significant, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, this is a sermon in and of itself, is that the other three commands that we're going to look at, that God has called us to as humanity... It all hinges on the fact that we were created in God's image and called to bring Him glory by being image bearers of Him on earth. So if we keep that in mind, let's look at verse 28. It says that God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In this, we really see three commands of God to Adam and Eve and really to humanity as a whole. The first one is this idea of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth. Now, this is uh, multifaceted. It really goes into all of creation, that the Garden of Eden would then uh, move outside of itself and they would subdue the entire earth and take care of the entire earth. But really the big idea here is is that they would multiply and they would have children and they would bear children and they would fill the earth. They were created to do this. They weren't created to be isolated in the Garden of Eden forever. They were created to be image bearers of God throughout all of the humanity and they were called to be the ones that would champion this and to begin this. So this first command... is this idea of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth itself. Now, the second two is really what we want to focus on and thinking through this this evening. It's this idea of subduing it, meaning the earth, subduing the earth. Now, uh, this is really explained in God's command for Adam to tend and keep the garden. We see that later in Genesis is that Adam's called to tend and to keep the garden and to subdue it, to control it, to plant, to, to grow this thing. And then this idea of having dominion over all of the animals. We really see that come to its height when we see that God brings the animals to Adam and He names them. That He has complete dominion over them. And really why all this is significant is that we see these three explicit commands to Adam uh, from God and to humanity from God to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue and keep the earth, and to have dominion over the, earth, uh, over the animals. And why all of that is significant is really more or less not itself what we're looking at. But the placement in which it is in Scripture, because if you're, if you're pretty good at math or if you're terrible at math, you could kind of find this very easily is that Genesis chapter 1 becomes comes before Genesis chapter 3. And so this command from God is a command from God before the fall even happens. And so what we should really take away from this is that man was created to work. Gets, uh, really soak that in a little bit, is that work is not a side effect of the fall, and that's what we're going to see in this. Work is not a side effect of fall. Homework is not a side effect of the fall. Sports and the difficulty and that is not a side effect of the fall. What is this, What we were called to do from the beginning is to work to God's glory by being image bearers of His glory. And so work is not something that we now do because they took and ate of the fruit that was they were not supposed to. But work was something that we were created for even before that moment. Now the issue comes in is with the fall. And the issue that now work is more difficult is because of the fall itself. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter 3, 16 through 19. And really, as we kind of reapproach it, let's look at it. It says to the woman... He said, I will multiply your pains in childbearing and pains you shall bring forth children. You will desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, I'm going to skip to verse 18. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of you were taken and for you are and to dust you shall return. Now there's some things going on here. There's some curses going on here. That's a result of the fall that we're not going to highlight. We're not going to focus upon. The big one is death itself. What we're really going to look at is these three things explicitly that we find. Is this multiplied pain of childbearing for the woman? Is what he call what he tells the woman the side effect of sin would be. And then he goes on. He says thorns and thistles would be part of the growing process. Now take that into consideration just to pause there for a moment. We see that God's second command to Adam was to subdue and to keep the earth. And it was a perfect and holy creation that was not affected by sin. And in that it would have been an easy process for him to do so. But because of sin, thorns and thistles came. Work became difficult. Work became hard even to the point where it's the sweat of your face, that they would toil and they would have difficulty in circumstances in working the earth and tending to it, as well as displaying dominion over creation. And so what we see in Genesis chapter 3 is not only this effect of sin in our eternal lives, but also this effect of sin in our natural and um, present life now. But what I want us to really take from these two things before we even look at Colossians, and that's where we're going to spend a good bit of our time, is really this idea is that we were called to work. But because of sin, work is now difficult. And there's this natural tug of war between it. Now I want to go back just and pause for a moment. I'm not sure what your work would be. I'm not sure if it's school for some. I'm not sure if it's teaching or manual labor or if it's sitting in front of a desk all day. Work is work. And if it's staying at home and tending to children, no matter what you do in this life, you're working. And it is going to be difficult. And there is going to be this tug of war that you're going to not enjoy it all the time. But see, Colossians would teach us something that we really should understand. And so if you would, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at 22 through 24. Colossians chapter 3, 22 through 24. Bondservants, obey everything those who are earthly masters, Not why by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity in your heart fearing the Lord. Whenever you do, do work heartily, as for the Lord, not for man, knowing that from the Lord you shall receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer were paid back, for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Before we dive into the context and even look at the Scripture itself, I just want us to be just kind of open and real for just a moment. Work is not always a wonderful experience. Work is quite difficult. This is what we see in this idea of the fall and the effect of the fall on our work. Most days or weeks are, are terrible and difficult experiences that we encounter during our days. Sometimes it's that mundane thing such as driving to and from, it's folding the clothes, it's making dinner, it's dealing with customers, it's sitting through class, it's running bases and suicides or whatever the case may be in your life. That Sometimes it's just that mundane day-to-day thing that just bogs us down. But sometimes... That's not including this very taxing parts of our day, such as the extreme manual labor, the terrible weather conditions, the, the steering at a computer for hours, having to use your mental capacity, it's yelling and screaming babies, it's AP exams, math class. No matter what it is, there's easy and harder times. And sometimes it's those extremely difficult moments of our work or our school, and sometimes it's that very easy mundane things that are thoughtless. Regardless of what you're looking at, work is not always peachy. Work is not always hunky-dory, easygoing. Work is difficult. And what I'm about to explore in Colossians isn't going to make it magically better. It's not going to make it, when you go to work tomorrow, make the mundane and the difficult disappear and go away. It's just going to give you a little bit of a purpose behind what you're doing. And that's what's important. And so as we look at Colossians chapter 3, 22 through 24, just to get a little bit of context of what's going on so we can rightly understand this passage a little bit, we see that Paul is addressing the roles in Christian households. He previously addressed the wives and husbands, children and parents, and then right after these set of verses, he addressed the masters in in these following verses. But really to understand this, we need to understand this word bondservants. Really, this word bond servants, it's, it's, and even in your translations, especially if you have a King James version, it may even say slaves. Uh, and the reason why I want to address this word is because it's not, it's not really slavery as we've known in American history. It's not really that aspect of bond servants and slavery. It's more or less this idea of an agree, a legal agreement between two parties for where one would work off their debt to the other. So. It's essentially this agreement where they would work for this other individual to pay off debts of society, which is much like what we do each and every day of our lives. We make an agreement with someone to go into to work for a financial return in the end, and then we pay our debts to society. It's much like that in our own lives today. And so when we approach a topic like this, that word servant" can quickly just scare us away, but really it's much like what we experience every day of our lives. If you're a teacher or if you own your own business, if you work for the post office like myself, or if you work for a church, whatever it is in your life, that this is an agreement that you have made with that individual that you're going to go and do this certain task. And in doing this certain task, you will receive something in return. And it's much like a bond servant was. And so, with that out of the way, let's look at this verse kind of sentence by sentence. Who says, Obey in everything. Those who are earthly masters, now, obviously, with our occupations, if our employers are calling us to do something that is contrary to God's word and contrary to morality or unethical, then this wouldn't this wouldn't be this, the right approach in this moment. first and foremost, you're a child of God, so therefore you stand behind his word, not behind your employee. But outside of that, if there's a task in which our our, our bosses, our employers call us to do, then we're called to do them. If it's in you're in school and you're called to do the homework or you're called to take the test, that you're called to do that. Why? Not because it's going to help you later in life, because that's our common response when it comes to schoolwork. but rather this is what's being asked of you now. Much like any other occupation, any other job we have in this life, we're called to, when we have expectations of our life, we are to live them out. We're going to see why in just a moment. But he begins by that. It's just simply obeying to to accomplish the task that is asked of you. He goes on, It is Not by way of eye service as people pleasers. When I read this sentence, I, I couldn't help but think um, and... I may not look like it now since i 'm two hundred fifty and six foot six foot one whatever it is twenty eight and out of shape and all of those things, but when I was a kid, I, I loved baseball I still love baseball, but I love playing baseball um, most of the time I played third base or first base, mainly because I was tall and I could throw the ball pretty good um, but I, those are the two positions I played sometimes i 'd play outfield, uh, but I was a big daydreamer uh, I, I really daydreamed a lot, especially when I played outfield because I really hated it and uh, I always wanted to be that guy and maybe if you play sports you can relate to this. I wanted it to be that guy that would just jump up and grab the ball that was just getting knocked out of that home run. Oh, I wanted it to be that guy that moved, made the diving catch and won the game off that, that last catch that got that one person out that and ended the game or hit that home one home run that that won the game for us all. That's who I wanted to be. And if I'm going to be quite honest, there's times in my life where I still have that mentality that I, there's a certain task or this certain job that I do at home that I really just want to be seen for. That's what it, he's talking against in this is don't be that person that only does it for the eye service and to please people, but do it rather as we're about to see because you're not working for them, but rather you're working for God. See, so often this is, and if we're going to be really honest with ourselves, that you probably fit into that category sometimes too. Because you want to get told you did a good job or that you accomplished that. That's what us men do sometimes, right? When we fold the laundry or we put the dishes away or we cook dinner, we wanted our wives to recognize that, right? Because they don't do it often. This is the same mentality that he's fighting against here. He's saying, look, don't do these things. Don't don't, uh, do everything wholeheartedly. Not, not because of the, what they're going to see and think about you or to please them, but rather as we're going to see for God's glory. And it goes on it says, with sincerity in your heart, sincerity in your heart and fearing God. This right here is something that is so relevant today. And it's this idea that all that we should do comes from a place of reverent love for God not from a place of service to a human or service to a person, but rather because we love and concern of glorifying God. This is simply kind of what we really approached this morning as Caleb was talking about. Sometimes we have to just stand there before we get into work because we don't simply do this to earn something from our employer or we don't do this to earn something from God. We simply do this because we love God and we want to glorify Him in everything that we do because we're responding to the gospel itself, that we're responding to the fact that God is our creator, that we are sinful, and that because of those two things, we needed someone to save us, and we could not save ourselves, and God intervened through Christ Jesus, and in that we respond to His amazing news. We don't do any of this to gain anything for salvation or anything from our employer, but we do it simply because we're responding to what God has already done for us. He goes on and says, whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men. This is the, the hinge of the entire sermon, is that whatever we do, do we do it wholeheartedly, not because of men, not because of our families, not because of our schools, not to provide, not to provide food for our families or our kids, but we do it for the glory of God. Now that's hard to kind of swallow. As, as a father myself, it's hard for me to sometimes not look at work as a means of providing for my family. But ultimately, before that is even crossed through my mind, what needs to cross my mind is that the reason why I work is to bring God glory in that occupation. And so as we seek to work in our lives, and this is something that we all are going to do or doing now, That we're not doing it to please men. We're not doing it for any other reason but to bring God glory. And this right here is the good news for us. It's because there's going to be moments in school or at work that it's difficult. We're asked of things that we don't want to do. We're asked to do things that are difficult and hard for us to do. As we already said, the fall has kind of ruined some of this for us. In all reality, it doesn't matter how our ball speaks to us. It doesn't matter how our teachers respond to us. It doesn't matter how our kids respond to us or how our parents treat us. All that matters is the fact that God is the one that we are working for and He is the one that is abundantly great. And He ends the set of Scripture by saying, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This evening, as we have really kind of approached this new year, this isn't what my message intended, this isn't where I wanted to go with this, but really as we kind of approach this new year, I think it's important that we have a renewed mindset of our work. And it's that we would look at our work as a means of which we glorify God rather than a means in which we provide for our family or that we appease those in our lives. Because first and foremost, we're called to serve Him with all that we are. And when we connect this, I want to be abundantly clear that just because one works for God's glory it does not make the work any easier or less troublesome. Rather, it becomes a way of worshiping thus it's more bearable. This is because you're not working for yourself, your employer, or your family, but one much greater, and that is God Himself. And so as we kind of look at how we apply this other than just going and working for God's glory, It really begins my understanding that you were created to work. Work is not a side effect of the fall. Work was something that God had ordained before the fall even happened. And because of that, the fall has made it worse though. And because of the fall, it is burdensome. It is difficult. It is hard at times. It's not going to be peachy. But in those moments of difficulties, we can't just bank on this idea of providing for those in our lives or even appeasing our employer, but rather that we would be working for God's glory and God's glory alone. That we're working Him as our boss rather than anyone else. So how do we live this out? First and foremost, we glorify God by working as hard as you can for God and not man. That when you clock into work, and as I've already said, not by my example of being 10 minutes late, but being on time, that when you go to work, that you work as hard as you can, no matter the circumstances, no matter the difficulty, that you work to your fullest. That when you go to school and you get there, that you do your schoolwork, you do your classwork, you take your tests, you study, you do all of that to God's glory. This one is difficult, but you glorify God by avoiding complaining and grumbling, even in less ideal work situations. That no matter what situations are at work, that you avoid this complaining and grumbling spirit. This is something I find very difficult at times, especially at the post office during Christmas season. But a big one for some may be that you glorify God by not making work an idol that you glorify God by not making work the number one priority in your life. There's so much more to life than providing a good financial situation for your family. There's so much more to life than being a workaholic and ending each day extremely tired and not able to do anything else due to working outside of what you should and have to do. The same side of the different side of that same coin is that you glorify God in your work by not making money an idol. The last thing, and I think this is one of the most significant ones for us, especially on a day like this, is that you glorify God by working while you rest from working. That you take time in your week to rest from your work and you just rest in Him. And the number one way in which we do that is by coming together on Sundays and worshiping Him for how He has provided uh, for us. So, as Leanne comes, though you and I have been marred by sin, though this ultimate image of, though sin has marred this and this work is difficult, through this ultimate image of the invisible God that is Christ, we have been made righteous and whole. So let's take our occupation, our jobs, our school work and do them to God's glory and nothing else. Not for our own name, not for our employer, not for our teachers and not even for our families. For this one must be simple ways in which we proclaimers of God's word and God's gospel by working to His glory no matter what. Let's pray.
0: We'd like to thank you for listening to today's episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast where we seek to provide quality content first through our full-length episodes that release every first and third Monday of the month and second through the Minister's Minute. These are short 10 to 15 minute episodes that release every second and fourth Monday of the month in which one of our co-hosts will seek to answer a specific question related to everyday ministry. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast through the podcast catcher of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify and YouTube. Today we pray peace and grace for you through our Lord Jesus Christ. And happy ministry.